Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Thursday. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are at the Browns facility. It's Wednesday night, about 7.15 as we're recording this. And I thought, let's start here. Um, the Pro Bowlers. Um, so the Browns have five players who made the Pro Bowl, six players who were selected as alternates. So let's start with the guys that made it. Joel Batonio, Amari Cooper, Miles Garrett, David Njoku, and Denzel Ward. Mary Kay, I think the most significant here, as far as just a guy that's making it for the first time, um, a guy that maybe, I think we expected it probably, but that, that it finally happened, it, it's significant. David Njoku uh, has already set career highs in catches, career highs in yards, career highs in touchdowns. I don't think he's going to get to your eight touchdowns. We're going to get to that uh, with some guys resting in week 18. But, uh, you know, this is a big, kind of a big moment for David Njoku, who has certainly made a leap this season, but specifically over the last, like, month and a half. Yeah, he really has. And he really seemed to come alive uh, when he had some quarterback stability, when he had a good quarterback throwing the ball to him in Joe Flacco. And that's not to say that that couldn't have happened with Deshaun Watson, because I think it would have. Uh, But Deshaun was injured most of the season, and, you know, this season is basically a wash for Deshaun Watson. Um, But when he finally got a really good quarterback in there, who could get the ball to him and throw a catchable ball? And I think that's the key here, because, you know, for a while they were uh, getting the ball from, from Dorian, and for whatever reason they were dropping passes, especially David. I mean, David was really having a, a tough time catching DTR's passes, and they probably would have all adjusted to each other over a period of time, but it just wasn't happening. And so Joe comes in, and David comes alive. And you know what? Good for him. We've watched the transformation, the evolution of David Njoku since he showed up here on the doorstep at the age of 20 in 2017 as a first-rounder. We've watched him kick and scream and ask to be traded and want to get out of here and throw tantrums and pout and do all kinds of crazy things. He was in Freddie Kitchen's doghouse. And then even this year, uh, he ended up going through a harrowing ordeal in which he suffered horrible burns on his face and hand and hands and arms and he had to overcome that so it's really been a roller coaster ride of, of trying to get David to this point it takes a village and he I was part of the village by the way yeah I guess so <laughs> it takes a village he got there good for him um I'll put throw this out to either of you. I don't know if either of you have read the release. Spoiler, I kind of gave it away. We're recording this before the release even comes out, so obviously we have an embargoed copy that we're working off here. Uh, but do you guys remember the last Browns tight end to make a Pro Bowl? I didn't read the release this thoroughly. Jordan okay. Cameron? No, no, but you're you're in the ballpark, kind of, as far as... Really? Yeah. Helen Winslow? Yeah, you're going back a little no, far I'm there. too yeah, far Because Cameron was after Winslow. But you're kind of in that, towards the end of Jordan Cameron ben range. Watson. No. No. Wow. Jordan Cameron was going to be my guess. Gary Barnage. Oh, my oh. God, Gary. 2000. Gary he's somewhere. Well, who knows where he is? He's Uncle, somewhere watching a movie Uncle somewhere Gary. right now, probably. Yeah, Gary Barnage, 2014. Um, so a, a big moment here for the Browns. Um... Ashley, yeah, like I said, Njoku's really the headliner here uh, just because it's his first one, and, and this leap that he's made, this just sort of reinforces all of that. 
Yeah, I think so. And there there were a handful of things I was surprised about. I don't know, Dan, was that a question you wanted to ask next? or I did I want to get there? to, like, snubs. Okay, so I'm yeah, guessing can, that's where you're going. That is where I was going, so we can wait. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely think, like, you know, a guy like Joel, we talk about, especially with those offensive linemen, right? It's like once you're in, it's very easy to keep repeating, I think, especially at, like, a guard position or a center position. So very much deserved, obviously, for him. Even, like, Denzel Ward, I think at this point, a lot of name recognition there with that pick. But we've talked about all the time, you know, Denzel has been, I think, playing the most physical that I've ever seen him play in the NFL. It seems like he's unlocked something different in his game to me and and again Amari Cooper you look at what they've done this year and they wouldn't have been able to do it without him he was one of our most important people that we took in our fantasy draft uh, when we picked who is responsible for them making it to the playoffs this year so yeah I definitely think David is the highlight of those because it is his first one and and again I think we've really seen him step up at the key points in the season when this team needed it. And it definitely helps that he has had quarterbacks, a couple of quarterbacks that could get him the ball, including Joe Flacco now, obviously. Um, And it's helped elevate some of those numbers to Mary Kay levels of expectation. (laughs) Can we, let's just take a minute. Like we've talked a ton about Amari Cooper and Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. Can we just take a few minutes and Pay some respects to Joel Batonio as well. This is, uh, you know, his his sixth straight Pro Bowl. Um, just looking at this, it's the fourth most selections in team history, trailing Joe Thomas, Jim Brown, Lou Groza. Um, those are all Hall of Famers. Look, guard is weird. When you kind of start getting there as a guard, you're going to keep getting there. But Joel certainly deserves to be there. This isn't just some kind of by default thing. Uh, Mary Kay, we, we just... We don't talk about guards a lot on this podcast, and we don't have a lot of room to talk about Joel necessarily. So I guess here, just a a couple minutes on what Joel has meant here. You know, a Ray Farmer draft pick picked right after Johnny Manziel and Justin Gilbert back in 2014. So uh, he's been through a lot. He's seen a lot. He's going back to the playoffs for the second time in his career. He's actually going to get to play in the wild card round, uh, you know, which he was unable to do against Pittsburgh in 2020. So uh, just, yeah, good for Joel. Yeah, you know what? The thing about Joel is he's sort of in the same boat that Joe Thomas was when he was such an amazing player for the Cleveland Browns. Offensive linemen sort of just fly under the radar a little bit. They don't always get the love they deserve. And it was that way with Joe. I remember back when we had to make a concerted effort one year. We had to say, this guy's going to the Hall of Fame. Maybe we <laughs> better vote him our local MVP player of the year, you know, because we're missing something here. But it's like that with offensive linemen. You know, they just don't get the recognition that they deserve. But Joel is certainly on a trajectory to join Joe in the Hall of Fame if he keeps up like this. A few more of these Pro Bowls, and he's going to be right in the conversation with the best guards in the NFL, and it'll help him if they win. I mean, if they go deep into the playoffs this year and they make the playoffs over each of the next few years, Joel is going to get the recognition that he certainly deserves, and I'm glad he got his sixth Pro Bowl right now. Yeah, as those Pro Bowls and those All-Pros now that he's gotten a couple years in Rosa start to pile up, he's, he's going to start to be in that class where when you're sitting in that room, you're going to be able to say, 
this is how he stacks up with some of the guys that are already in there. Uh, but, you know, Ashley, it's hard after a post after a game and our post game podcast to sit there and say, man, let's talk about those five great blocks Joel Batonio had. Right. I mean, I think it's just the nature of the position and, and even like on the offensive line, I think it's much easier to talk about tackles than the interior guys, too. And, you know, I will say, though, Dan, I think you're selling us a little bit short. I think we do. <laughs> we give, do. We do. We give more credit than most, I think, to. I'll say what Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller do, especially their pooling and how great they are at that and how much that's become a key to having good interior linemen in the NFL now is how they can do that. And, and yeah, I mean, it's definitely like one of those things that it almost gets easy. The excellence becomes easy to overlook because it's so regular from Joel. That's like his standard. So, yeah, another big accomplishment by him, obviously, to continue this you know amazing stretch he's been on. And one of the like he wins our good guy all the time. Um, you know, a guy who's just good talking to us, talks after every game, um, talks whenever you need him to talk in the locker room for the most part. So, uh, just checks all those boxes. Is kind of like you were mentioning, Mary Kay, following that Joe Thomas, uh, that Joe Thomas path. So, what we'll do here before we get to the snubs is between Amari Cooper, Miles Garrett, and Ashley. You talked a little bit about Denzel Ward, but Mary Kay is there one of those guys in particular that that you think we should really kind of mention here as as a standout from this season. Well, you know, let me just start with Amari because it's hard to make the Pro Bowl as a wide receiver. It's really, really hard. I think what worked in his favor a little bit is that in the AFC, uh, you know, he's obviously one of the top and one of the best, and he really has had just a fantastic finish. And that 265-yard game, I think, really helped him a lot. Uh, You know, he really came on strong and added, uh, you know, a lot of yards, receptions, and touchdowns Uh, to his statistics when Joe came on board. The connection between Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper is a sight to behold. It has really been something, and I think it's going to carry them very far into the playoffs. If if they make it to the Super Bowl, it's it's going to be largely because of these two guys together and what they can do on that deep ball. And who would not be scared of that? Because it doesn't matter if Amari Cooper's open. He doesn't have to try to get open. He can because he is the route runner, as we know. But he doesn't even have to be open because he can make the crazy contested catch. And he can keep those toes inbound. And he can do all of the things that you need a great receiver to do. And he deserves this like crazy. And Ashley Miles Garrett, the first, he's tied for the most Pro Bowl selections by a Browns defensive player now. And this is always a little jarring, but he's the only NFL player to record at least 14 sacks in each of the past three seasons and the only player to record at least 10 sacks in each of the past six seasons. So, you know, you can kind of just write miles in in pen for a Pro Bowl every year. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting, too, to hear those numbers because, like, in the context of we've been talking about, it seems like these last handful of years, he always has that late season drop off for one reason or the other. This year, it's maybe a little bit more difficult to pinpoint why that's happened. But the numbers he's putting up are still, you know, consistent for the most part and better than, like you said, basically anyone else in the league at this point. So I definitely think that helps put it into some different perspective. I think the last time I looked it up last week, he was still second in the league and pass rush win rate amongst all edge rushers. So Again, it's like even though he had that five-game sackless streak that he's ended, um, you know, he 
had to make up some ground or has to make up some ground. Obviously, we don't know what the playing situation is going to look like for him in Cincy this upcoming weekend. But those sack numbers are still impressive, even if they aren't, um, you know, the level we thought we would see from him when the regular season came to an end based on his earlier season production. And we'll have to ask Miles on Friday if he's still retired from the Pro Bowl. Um, because he retired from the Pro Bowl after he dislocated that toe last week, or at least Pro Bowl obstacle courses. So we'll see about that. All right, we'll take a break, and then we'll get to uh, definitely one guy uh, who would have a case to be a regular Pro Bowler and not just an alternate. We'll talk about that on the other side. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and lobby Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. So the alternates, Corey Bohorquez, Grant Delpit, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, Ethan Posick, Wyatt Teller, and Dustin Hopkins, a Pro Bowl alternate. Now, I mentioned it off the top when we were recording this. We haven't seen the full roster, so it's a little hard to talk about snubs. So we're sort of talking about it in a Browns vacuum here. But that being said, even in a Browns vacuum, Dustin Hopkins is not a Pro Bowler, Mary Kay. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if you were really closely connected to the Cleveland Browns, if you were watching him very closely throughout this season and and understood the full impact of what he brought to the table and what he did for this football team, anybody would have voted for him. He is hands down a pro bowler. Even uh, Bubba Ventrone said it's a no-brainer. He knows that that Dustin has been a pro bowler this year. Just the 8-for-8 from 50-plus alone should make him a regular, you know, pro bowler, not an alternate. Uh, but there was so much more than that. Leads the NFL in field goals, or at least did before he got hurt, uh, with 33. And then uh, he had four game winners. That doesn't even count the uh, the four field goals he kicked in Indy to really help win that game, including three of 50-plus. I mean, that's just mind-blowing when you think about it. Um, again, we've said this so many different times that he came in to the Cleveland Browns only going 50% on his 50-plus kicks, and he was 100% this year. He was just a money kicker, and guess what? He kicks at Cleveland Browns Stadium, which is a very, very, very difficult place to kick. So I think he's a pro bowler in his own right, and hopefully he will get bumped up because he should go. I I think some of it, this kind of goes to the Joel discussion, like – People don't understand, I think, how hard Brown Stadium is to kick in because it hasn't been prominent on the national stage. Like like New England, everybody knows New England, right? And the snow, and they've seen Adam Vinatieri and, and these huge games in New England. And everybody kind of just knows about Chicago for whatever reason. But I do think Cleveland's a little underrated as a kicking city if you've never kicked there, if you're not talking to specialists or special teams coaches because people just haven't seen on a big stage how hard it is to kick at, at Cleveland Brown Stadium. But... Um, you know, just Ashley, it's hard to, we do the, we do the PFWA vote every year for players of the year. And I think you, I think everyone had to at least pause and wonder, like, could we really make a kicker the player of the year? Like there was a legit discussion there. Um, I don't think it's going to be him. We don't know the results of that yet, but I, I didn't put him on mine, but I certainly had to think about it. Yeah. I mean, even is it four game winning kicks that he's had this season based on that stat alone, it's like that to me, is worth consideration. And, Dan, I think we were looking at stats beforehand, and I think you said Cameron Dicker out in L.A. Maybe has, like, a slightly better Yeah, I don't, I don't know, honestly. We don't, and we don't might. know who the person is, but, like, that would be my guess, ironically, probably, since that's the person he lost the kicking job to out there. 
Um, but look at what the Browns have done this season and how many games they have won because of some of these amazing game-winning kicks by him. And like we talk about all the time, the distance, like he was not, he was hitting those 50-plus yarders at like 50% in his career before he got here. For him to be perfect is wild. And I do think like just this run these Browns have made this year, it is crazy to me. He's my biggest snub by far that, that he didn't make it outright. The Dicker is 48 of 51. He's 7 of 10 from 50. Oh, I'm sorry. That's actually his career number. Um, he's f- uh, 27 of 29 and 7 of 9 from 50-plus um, this season. So he's having a good year. And the Chargers, yeah. look, a lot of this, this is not a perfect process. Yeah. That's why there's snubs every year. That's why, guys, you know, it's fan voting. It's player voting. It's... You know, there's a lot that goes into it that makes it a very flawed process, and I think that's kind of what happened here. Yeah, and you know, uh, you know, there should there's something to be said for helping your team get to the playoffs. And I have written a column about this, saying again, we've talked about this when the Browns were eight and five. There was no way in heck they would have been eight and five. No, not even close would they have been eight and five without Dustin Hopkins at that time because he was covering up for the ills of the quarterback situation at that time. You know, when you had um, DTR and P.J. Walker combining for two touchdowns and I think nine interceptions, you know, that's when Dustin Hopkins was making his mark. That's when you can go into Indy and win a football game, when you have your kicker making four field goals, including three of 50-plus. And then, again, those four game winners – Right? I mean, the Browns would not have the record they have right now if they had what happened with Jake Moody. Uh, you know, he lost that game for San Francisco, standing up there and missing the 41 yard game winning attempt. The Browns never had a situation like that where he walked up to boot the game winning field goal and lost the game for them. They never had it happen, not one time. They're normally the team that's doing that right. in their recent history. Right. And yeah, for all of those reasons, uh, he absolutely, 100%, should be a pro bowler. Yeah, um, Cameron Dicker does have a higher percentage, right, because he's missed fewer. But he's also attempted fewer. He's attempted 29. Dustin Hopkins is 33 of 36. So, um, you know, this is one of those things Browns fans can certainly uh, spend their Thursday getting mad about online. They're, they're justified <laughs> in this. So before I go, we go, I, I do want to talk about one more thing, and that just is this decision. Wait, can I say Oh, yeah, go ahead. I had another snub, actually. Okay, I'm go for it. if you guys agree with me. I thought that Martin Emerson Jr. was playing well enough to at oh. least earn alternate status yeah, this year. I'm kind one. of surprised, and I get it. It's a marquee position, and Denzel definitely deserves to be in there too, right? But I think Martin has made the jump everyone thought he would make and just how physical he is and long. Um, I'm really happy Grant Delpit got in there because I I was worried that what he did was going to get lost because of the injury. So I think that's great. But I'm surprised Martin's not in there too still. Yeah, that's a good one. Martin as an alternate. And, and it's JOK getting in there as an alternate is big as, as well. Um, but yeah, a little surprised now that Ashley brings that up, Mary Kay, that we're not seeing Martin Emerson on this list. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And while, while we are, are talking about the alternate list, um, JOK could have made the Pro Bowl this year. I mean, I, I've never seen him play anything like this before. Every time I look up, I feel like he's back there making a tackle for a loss. 
and I think he's going to be dynamite in the playoffs, and I think he's going to be huge when they play the Baltimore Ravens. I think he's just going to uh, do one of the things that he was drafted to do, and that is menace Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to be uh, an integral part in the Browns getting to the Super Bowl if they do that. And you know what? Why not talk like that? I mean, maybe it's a little bit over the top, but why not? We know that they have already defeated two of the best teams, the two top seeds, the AFC number one in Baltimore, the NFC number one in San Francisco. So why not get excited, Browns fans? I mean, they do have a chance to make some noise in these playoffs, and guys like JR, JOK and Martin Emerson are two of the reasons. Well, and like, what's the point? They're not going to the playoffs to lose in the wild. Like, nobody's no. sitting in this building like, well, I hope we lose in the wild card round. Like, right. You know, I mean, maybe it's, I know Kevin wants to keep that focus on 1-0 and one game at a time, but, like, you also don't have to pretend that you don't want to win the Super Bowl. If you get to the playoffs, you want to win the Super Bowl. And it's one and done. Anything can happen. It's any given Sunday, whatever cliche you want to throw out there. Like, it's it's crazy. So any any team that makes the playoffs can do something significant in it. Yeah, and you know what I remember about Kevin Stefanski from 2020 is he started talking Super Bowl when they made the playoffs. And he let his players talk Super Bowl when they made the playoffs. Suddenly, the the one and O thing, uh, you know, they still were completely focused on the next game, but they were allowed to loosen it up a little bit and utter the words Super Bowl. And I think you'll hear that from Kevin coming up soon, even before they, you know, get into the playoffs or even before they play the wild card game. I think that you'll hear him say, "Our goal is to win the Super Bowl." Okay, so let's talk about the thing that they aren't going to uh, to do on Sunday, and that's play starters. Um, Joe Flacco is not going to play. It was interesting that Jeff Driscoll was the choice. I was joking with someone during practice, like, what is P.J. Walker thinking right now? Like, I throw one interception against Seattle, and now I'm never, <laughs> never going to see the light of day again. Uh, P.J. going to be the backup on Sunday. I, I wonder if Kevin might give him a little playing time, too. We'll see. But... There was an interesting point brought up about Jeff Driscoll. Is this maybe a tryout to be the backup quarterback? That's something to watch. They just signed him on Friday. Uh, but Ashley, no surprise, no starters playing or very few starters playing. They're going to keep it, keep as many on the sideline as they possibly can. Can I throw my theory out? Sure. I threw this out to you, Mary Kay. I threw it out to some other people. I th- might have thrown it out to you too, Ashley. I say just don't use a kicker on Sunday. It gives you, you throw it at me because you might have to call up your practice squad kicker. Mm-hmm. So that takes away a practice squad elevation. I mean, wouldn't you rather be able to call up like an AJ Green and then you get to rest another cornerback? And who cares? You don't need a kicker. Let's have some fun. Let's go for it on every fourth down. Let's let DeAnthony Bell kick off. Let's let's get weird in Cincinnati on Sunday. You, you guys can take this wherever you want. You can call me crazy. You can talk Jeff Driscoll. Whatever you want, Ashley. Take it wherever you want. No, I actually kind of like this idea, Dan. I'm I'm with this Saney scheme. I mean, for that reason, right? I think, yes, we talk about them resting starters, but there are a lot of positions that this team is just kind of thin at right now, and cornerback is certainly one. So I think if you can get elevations, different elevations at different position groups to help with that depth, to give maybe some other seasoned veterans who need the week off that time off. Why not? Like, let's let's get weird. You're locked into the fifth seed. Be aggressive. Have some fun. Run some gadget plays. Do all that sort of fun stuff. Because when else are you going to get a chance to do 
any of this. I mean, the flip side of that is, well, how much do you want to give away when you're about to run in the playoffs? But I'm kind of, I'm with this unconventional idea, just even from a, how can we maximize our depth in this final meaningless week? Yeah, you're still going to have your punter. So it's not like you have to go for it when you're like fourth and 10 at the one or something like, so you'll still have Corey out there. I say no kicker, Mary Kay. I think you're crazy, Dan. <laughs> I think you're nuts. Um, I don't think you want D'Anthony Bell kicking off for you because, you know, D'Anthony Bell is going to pull a left quad <laughs> or he's going to pull a hamstring and you're going to need D'Anthony Bell on, not just on defense, but, and you have been had to use him on defense, but you're going to need him on special teams. You're going to need him uh, to play that field position game for you. So we don't need D'Anthony Let P.J. Walker kick off. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I, I don't like, I don't love the idea. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I'm all for creative <laughs> and innovative things. But in this case, I also think with Dustin Hopkins suffering this pretty serious hamstring injury, I think they need to give Riley Patterson more time to kick with this team, to make sure he's got his timing Just down. Just killing me here. You're raining on my parade. <laughs> All this common sense. And, I mean, he like they do need to get the kicking, you know, the, the kicking sequence of hold, snap, kick together. He's got to be able to, you know, kick off. He missed an extra point. <laughs> uh, so they need to, to straighten all that out. So, no, I, I think that, you know, there's a chance that that Dustin might not be ready for the wild card game. So I think they need to keep tuning up Riley um, just on everything. So I don't I don't love it, Dan. I'm sorry. Mary Kay's bringing reason back to the discussion. <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, we were living in I'm, fantasy land, Dan. <laughs> well, I'm going to crawl back in my hole, I guess, and whatever. That's going to do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll be back with our preview pod. Uh, on Friday, Lance Risen will be on as usual. Tyler Shoemaker will be on as usual. We'll think up something to talk about. I don't think we're going to bring you three things to watch for the game. I think we'll come up with some other gimmick uh, to get you ready for Sunday, and then we'll also still make our picks for Sunday's game as well as Mary Kay tries to wrap up her uh, her picks crown for the season. What is my record right now? I'm very curious. I, I don't. I, don't I have to look. I haven't. Off the top of my head, I don't remember, but I think you've got like a two-game lead, maybe a three-game lead. So you're in good shape going into the playoffs, I think. So that's coming on Friday. Just make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, where we are back up and running, and on Spotify, uh, become a Football Insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash browns and blue banner at the top of the page. And as always, find us on YouTube, find us on Instagram. Uh, what do you got, Mary Kay? Can you say thank you to our texter who made us these lovely <laughs> light-up plaques? What's you, his name again, Dave? Uh, I believe it was Mavro yes. in Columbus. Yeah, Mavro, Mavro in, Columbus. in Columbus made us these lovely light up plaques with our names on them and we just wanted to give them a little shout out yeah there you go sending us gifts we we appreciate we appreciate all the love from our our subscribers our non-subscribers all of them but especially our our subscribers so again cleveland.com slash brown is the blue banner at the top of the page for all of that info for mary Kay and ashley i'm dan thanks for listening everybody